Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Today, we're keeping the Women in Technology series going. Let's start 2021 off right. I have a treat with you. Her name is JL. She's an entrepreneur. She's going to share our story and how she got into IT and how she continued to thrive in IT. So JL, would you mind letting the audience know how you got started and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I have the, quote, easy job, right? Because I'm the marketer. So I don't have to know all the coding and all the stuff. Um, I just have to know what to say about it and what to talk about it. Um, but I've been um, an IT person, an IT personality, you know, since I was little. You know, I always wanted to know how things worked and what the, the background was. And I have just a natural um, attraction to computers and, and coding and logic. So um, that kind of drew me in there. And so, you know, Microsoft ended up being a really natural kind of combination. And I spent 10 years um, marketing uh, for Microsoft. And um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of uh, background from a professional standpoint. I like to break up my career into three halves. So I say, you know, the first half, then you have the second half. And well, now I'm kind of at a third iteration. So I'll call it a third half. But um, the yeah, the first half of my career, I, I was at uh, large marketing agencies. And I worked on uh, large accounts. Uh, this is my personal first assistant, by the way, this uh, Pooh Bear. So, uh, so um, I worked in marketing agencies, and I worked for large accounts like Nestle, uh, Purina, Visa, United Airlines, McDonald's, you know, a number of brands, you know, little brands that you might recognize and a bunch of little brands that maybe you've never heard of. Yeah. So after I had um, a relatively established career working in marketing agencies and um, doing uh, direct, what was called direct marketing, right, at that point in time or database marketing, um, Microsoft called. And I said, okay, great, let's go to Seattle. So um, I worked for nearly 10 years as a full-time employee um, working in the marketing department at Microsoft and had just an absolute fantastic time uh, working on brands like Office and Xbox. Xbox is a little sexier than Office, but both products that I really love. Um, and then when it came time for me to move on from Microsoft, I started my own business and I started consulting. And um, I do actually consult to Microsoft. Microsoft is one of my clients. So I'm one of those people you know, who leaves and then comes back. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic uh, place to be in, to be able to have Microsoft as a client and then to be able to do some other things. Um, one of the things that, um, drew me to Microsoft, a company that's as large as Microsoft, um, is that they have the ability to pivot. Um, a lot of large companies don't have that innate ability. And it's true that they, in a lot of ways, get mucked up in and amongst themselves, but they do have the ability to make quick changes and to you know, take quick left turns. And so as a marketer, there's always something new going on. Um, but in terms of how I got into marketing, I really fell into it. Um, I didn't understand what marketing really was. Although if you listen to my parents, they will say that I was a marketer when I was three years old. When I was three years old uh, or four, maybe, I ran around the neighborhood and I got all the parents and all of our friends into the backyard for a talent show. And I had all the chairs lined up and we had a stage and we had everything except the show. So, but I had everybody there. I got the whole neighborhood there for the show, except we didn't really have a show. So, um, yeah, so if you talk to my parents, they'll say, yes, I was born a marketer. I was not one that took a straight trajectory. Uh, there are many people who understand what they want to do, understand, you know, what they want to do for a living and what industry they want to work with. I was not one like that, um, which has made life really interesting because I've been able to say, 
you know, oh, that opportunity looks interesting. Okay, let's go over here and take those natural progressions. And so starting um, working at a marketing agency, um, I was able to work with a lot of different clients who were doing a lot of different types of marketing and kind of learn a lot from people. Marketing agencies in those days, um, more so than I think they do now, had more layers to them. And the layers that they had, meaning like seniority. So they had more people with more layers and it really allowed you to get to learn from a lot of people and learn a lot of different disciplines under one roof and get exposed to different type of technology, different type of strategies, um, types of industries. So it was a great opportunity. And that's really how I got into marketing to begin with. So when Microsoft called me, mm-hmm. um, I was um, not really looking. I was uh, running a department <clears throat> with uh, publicists, which is, um, I think, one of, the, one of the top four agency networks in the world mm-hmm. uh, based in France. And Microsoft called and I was like, you know, this sounds really interesting. And I came up and joined um, a small group here at Microsoft. And like I said, it was there for 10 years. Um, And then it came time to step away from that. And I really wanted to be able to work with smaller organizations, smaller companies and work um, work with people who were inspired and wanted to try to make something real um, and make something happen. So um, I left and started my own marketing consulting company. And I I didn't know, I didn't really focus on one thing. And that was really, I think was a mistake. So I think that if um, I could look back and give myself some advice is trying to do everything or trying to just uh, talk to people and say, oh, I can help you with that. I can help you with that other thing. I can help you with this thing. And I didn't even know what to charge. I didn't know what my time was worth. Um, I was very unfocused. I was very all over the place. And uh, while I was enjoying it, it was difficult as a business. I really wasn't building a business. I was building a job you know, for myself, um, which is kind of not what I wanted to do. Out of that, um, I, you know, I fell on my face a number of times and changed my business model two or three times. And one of the things that I noticed was that as I was meeting with these companies and talking with them about doing their marketing, they hadn't done, the majority of them hadn't done enough work on their brand, Upfront. Now, when I say brand, I don't mean like your logo and your colors and your tone of voice, which is all important, but just the foundation of what problem are you trying to solve in the world and who is your customer and why should that customer care about you and how and your product and how your product is solving that problem. Um, that's that core brand foundation. A lot of my clients hadn't even thought about that. So by the time I walk in and I'm like, okay, great. You need a new website or you need this new campaign or you need something, whatever. Okay, great. Well, what do you want to say? And I would get these blank stares. Like I have four heads going, well, aren't, aren't you going to tell us what to say? And I said, well, sure. But I need to know who you're talking to. Like, are you talking, you can't talk to everybody. You've got to you know, you've got to talk to people. So um, I began to understand that uh, there was really a need for a lot of these midsize and small companies to really focus on their brand and really step back and take a look at building that foundation and figuring out what problems are they trying to solve in the world? Why should people care? Who do you want to talk to? And what do you want to say to them? Oh. You said a lot here and it's been fantastic. And one thing I do want to talk about right now is you, you talked two things I want to peel back with you and then go a little bit deeper. What if someone is unfocused right now um, in their career? What did you do to take that curiosity you had, tame it, and then build a business? And whether that's, if it's me and I don't have a business, I'm building my brand. What steps would you do to clarify that? Because Someone like me, I'm curious and everything and the new signy obvious, I'm doing it, I'm bringing it in. And it did take me a long time to figure out, you know what, slide, I actually got an outside consultant to 
um, audit my YouTube channel and they came up with the name Tech Simplified. So like, Sylvester, everything you do, you're simplifying technology. And the difference I see with you is that you have a lot of energy, right? So, you know, keep your name in it, but you need to brand it, like you said, and tech simplify it. So what if someone is in that stage? What would you tell them? What did you tell yourself to help you build that business and stop building a job? That would be really compelling. And then after that, um, what kind of, um, you said that, you know, you always been curious, but was there something that you knew technology was for you? And when you made that pivot, I know you talked about a little bit from, the, you know, a number one marketing company to a technology company, what in, intrigued you to go there? So those are the two questions. I just want you to see if you can unpack for a bit, because I think um, you, you already dropped a lot of great gems. And I think you're just going to spill out a little bit more. So I'm ready to catch up, you know, so. Okay, good. Yeah, I haven't like, you know, word vomited all over your podcast, hopefully. <laughs> um, so yeah, a couple of things. One thing I did that I think I did that I'll chalk it up and say, okay, this was, this was the right thing to do, which was like one out of like a list of 157, um, was that um, I paid attention. Um, I had one of the things I mentioned that I really noticed that a lot of businesses really needed to focus on their brand and really get to the heart of what their brand was. And so I had actually built out a workshop. And of course, now we're in COVID time. So if you guys are looking at this five years from now, um, yeah, it's we're, we're all stuck inside and nobody can go to an in-person workshop right now. But one of the things that I noticed when I was holding my workshop was that about 90%, 85 to 90% of the people who were attending were people who had an idea that wanted to know how to turn this idea into a brand or into a business. And so they were there to really get started and get a, get a foot in the door. And I started paying attention to that. And those are people that really excited me to work with. And so I began working with startups. They're startups. And in a lot of cases, they're even pre-startup where, like I said, they have the spark of an idea and they don't even know if it's going to be viable. You know, okay, I think this is a good idea, but what does that mean? Like, could this even like be a product? Could this even be something? So I got real excited working with those kind of entrepreneurs. And so paying attention to that, I actually pivoted my business and I started working a lot with startups and I started really focusing on what startups need. Startups or, you know, I like to say startups, pre-startups and growth-minded businesses because you can be a 20-year-old startup. You know, you can have a company that, and you've got some years under your belt, but maybe you think like you need to refresh you know, or you need to look at your audience and, and see what you're doing and perhaps, you know, pivot in your uh, product uh, diversification. You know, those are things that make you a startup, even if you've been in business. And being able to um, sit down with those people in that moment where, you know, they know they want to move it forward. They just, they don't have the tools. And to sit there and talk with them and ask the questions and take them through, you know, the process that I've developed, which is, you know, frankly, you can go, you know, go Google or Bing search on, um, you know, how do I brand my business, right? You've got like 15,000 different ways. Mine's another way. It just happens to be the one that I use. So it works for me. And working with those companies and when you see their eyes light up, you know, and you see, and, you know, I had people cry in a good way, in a good way. Now, I believe I've cried enough. I've cried a lot in meetings from Microsoft, you know, trust me. But this was like good crying where they realized that, oh my God, it's possible. Or you get me, you know, you get my dream, my idea of what I want to do. And that's so amazing and gives you so much energy. So I really decided to listen to that and take that compliment and say, I had never even thought about working with startups, but let's kind of follow what I'm seeing here. Um, about that time, I get a phone call from my friends at Microsoft who say, hey, would you be interested in coming in and consulting and working with our startup group? <laughs> and no, no kidding. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and um, Right about that same time, I was asked to become an advisor for a startup accelerator group. So all of a sudden, when I turned and I listened to what I was hearing 
and I turned into it, that's when things started opening up for me. And I've gotten the opportunity now to work with a number of different startups and uh, fantastic people and kind of get them on their way. And companies that maybe like they're not big enough to have a CMO, you know, a chief marketing officer or a marketing director, you know, they're not at the stage where they want to really invest in that role full time, but maybe they need someone to come in take a look at their plans, make adjustments or give them some ideas. And then their team can take off with it. And I can come in and, you know, check in with them on that. So I think that's, you know, that's the answer to one of your questions, which is, you know, how did I, what did I do right? Or how did I pivot? And it was really about listening to that and, and looking for those cues and then going with that. But now when it comes to IT, you know, many years ago, okay, I'm like 150 years old, right? So many, many, many years ago, I remember um, my parents coming home with an Epson Equity One computer, you know, a desktop computer, and they set it down, you know, and they set up the monitor and then boom, there was like a stack of books. I'm not kidding you like this tall on, you know, how to run it, how to use it. And I remember like they, they took the first book and they flipped open to page one and I looked at it and I looked at the computer and I just went, and I turned it on <laughs> like, and I like literally started doing things. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but I just, I just sort of understood it. You know, I, I just sort of understood it. Um, so that was pretty amazing. I did try coding at one point. Um, I, I learned, I think at that point it was, it was C or C plus. And I spent all weekend trying to code this game I was working on. And okay. Anybody out there who's a coder, you, you might totally you might totally understand this. And I got into like, you know, um, 111,000 lines of code. And then it turns out I had an error on like line 49, like after I had spent like literally three days typing in lines of code. And in those days you had to like back out each line and get back to your error, fix it, and then write each line again. And I was like, out. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's it for me. So I knew that was not for me. Um, but again, as a marketer, I could then still go into an area that I really enjoyed and be where things were really happening and um, where the possible was happening. Uh, things that were possible were coming to life. And a lot of those things that I thought we should really have um, are now in the market today. Um, when you think about where we were even 10 years ago. Um, so it was really exciting. So when Microsoft called me, I said, you know, yeah, of course, little did I know, right? Everybody who's worked at Microsoft or any large company, I thought I was going to like the Vatican of data and cutting edge, you know, and then you get there and you realize you're like, okay, you're still doing this. This is like what we used to do in 1982, you know, in, in marketing. Now we need to, we need to move ahead, which was great because that's something that I could bring to the table. So oh, ended cool. up being great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. But um, especially the story about coding, that's how I knew coding was for me either. Right. So yeah, I, I got a little bit of ADD in me. So I remember I'm coding out this game. This I think it was Pong. Right. And I'm yeah, right. Something like that. Pong, and they're like, all right, Sylvester, so make sure you put comments, you know, every so often so you know when to go back, you know, for those lines, right? So I'm like, I don't need to do that. I'm just going to code it all the way through. Code, I got to the end. It's not running. Like, <laughs> Something is wrong. You're, where's your comments? I'm like, I ain't write it. I think I need it. You got to restart this over unless you're going to figure out from this line of code what you did wrong. I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this. See, I'm going yep. <laughs> You know, check please. <laughs> information systems. Here I come, computer science. About you know, but I know I just wasn't having fun with it, right? So I realized that uh, that early, right? Then, like you said, I did management of information systems, and I did marketing, right? I got to talk about the business side of it. Then I got to nerd out every once in a while, and then I found pre-sales, um, like architecting or pre-sales engineering, which is a little bit of sales, a little bit of tech and that's my lane or I did technical product marketing again business and tech you know right so you can mm -hmm. find it like the one thing I see what you're saying you found where you could excel at where you can bring your energy your excitement 
and marketing and, and IT, you got to do both without, you know, the switching gears. Like I wanted to be uh, a teacher, but then I wanted, I didn't want to get paid like a teacher. So and no offense to teachers, yeah. you know, some of y'all probably making a lot of money, but I wanted to take, have an opportunity to help my family as they got older to take care of them. Right. So um, I switched and now I get to teach people about IT. Right. So I'm teaching, but in a different discipline. Right. So, uh, but that's really awesome though. Cause you like listened to that inner voice and said, you know what, I want to find a way to do this. Yep. So, but you're I right. I had, to, I had to scale down, really focus what I wanted to do. And these opportunities keep coming up to, um, you know, work on that vision, but again, had to scale it down. So I love that you said that. So what advice would you have given yourself earlier in your career? Cause I think we talked before we got, we started recording this, you know, it's hard to looking back and saying what you would do because oh my gosh, we were, we were here now, but if you did have that time machine, you could go back and it wouldn't mess up everything. Is there <laughs> anything that you would change? Oh my God. Well, first of all, there were, you know, so many opportunities that I just completely and like didn't take advantage of back in the day, right? And we were talking about some of these and it'd be like, go for it, you know, buy stock early. <laughs> 401k, yes. <laughs> but um, so it's 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 hard in a sense to go back because I really cherish every opportunity that I've had and every experience that I've had. But I really think that maybe I would have said that, um, you know, think about, think about the business side of things, right? Um, don't always, I mean, I hear it a lot today. I hear people say, you know, well, uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, you know, and if you can turn your hobby into a business, you should do that. And that's great. That's fantastic. Um, and obviously you and I are having, you know, some success in being able to do that, but you still need a hobby. You know, you still need that outlet. And so while um, I look back and I look at the times that I've really been just like where work has been my hobby, I'd say, you know, remember that, that what you're doing for work is a business and treat it like a business and make sure that you're getting the returns, not only financially, but also emotionally for what you're putting into it and understand that. And then think about, having a path, you know, what is your development? You don't always know um, because I'll give you an example, you know, back when I was working in marketing agencies or even when I joined Microsoft, right? And I'd never been working inside of a company that large. You don't always really understand like, what is the right trajectory here? Um, where do I wanna go? I have no idea. And as I mentioned, I really lucked out because as opportunities came up, I said, yeah, that sounds great. I'll go do that. Um, I remember taking a job where I honestly did not know what the company did. They did this thing called, you ready? Database marketing. And all I knew was it had kind of a techie name and marketing together. And I said, great, that's gotta be awesome. Things have gotta be happening there that I might like. And I really didn't fully understand what the company did. And I just remember in the interview, they're like, well, you know, what about database marketing attracts you? And I'm like, well, it's got the word database and it's got the word marketing. Um, but so, you know, yes, there are times when you kind of luck out and take those chances, but just remember that the trajectory that you're taking is a business. Even if you're going to work for another company, it is your own business yourself. So think of it that way. Think of it holistically. What do you need to be studying? You know, what do you need to be um, looking into in terms of associations? Um, what do you need to be doing as a hobby outside of that to give yourself that balance? And really remember that, that at the end of the day, you need a hobby, you need a job. And when you focus on your job, Focus on it like it's a business. That's 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 going to be my tweet for this one. Focus your job like it's a business. Like it's a business. Uh, so mm -hmm. might drop. How am I supposed to go after that? You know how I'm supposed to do that? Let me stop playing around. But one thing I do like what you said is having a hobby because I love IT. I loved it since I was younger. The bill of computers since they brought it in. I remember the first computer was like some green computer. That's green screen, <laughs> green and black. Right, the green all, writing on the thing. <laughs> only thing this thing could do is play Wheel of Fortune 
And I think I ended up getting it to play Jeopardy. I don't know how I did. I remember wow. I, they gave me the book and I'm like, I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let me just click some buttons over here. And that I is awesome. Work, right. <laughs> but, um, you know, so this to me is just fun. Right. But I realized I like writing. I do a lot of poetry on the side and the poetry helps me take some of that stress and write it out. And before COVID times, I used to do a lot of open mics where I used to go perform it. And it wasn't to place. Like, I never really want to do slam poetry. Uh, uh-huh. It's more for de-stressing. But I can see, like, even now, like, I'm a little tense. And when you said that, it triggered me, like, man, when the last time I wrote? Haven't wrote in a while. So I need to go right. tonight and write back into that little journal and finish writing up, so, you know, some, um, you know, I got a book idea that I'm working on for these short stories that I want to finish. Let me go. And write I love something it. It's been a while, but again, you're mm-hmm. right. Having a hobby is essential for that that balance, right? Because one thing I realized is you got to do the job that they came you to pay for. So really understand that. Sometime when you're a creative, you want to say, "What about <laughs> if I build this over here?" And then you know, I know for me, they're like, "Well, we paying you to do this, Sylvester." So make sure that you do the job that they're telling you. Uh, when yeah. You're- Right. And if that doesn't stop you, if you do got other ideas, you can build like hobbies. Like I do my videos on the side. No one really told me to do this for my job. I just did it because people ask me the same questions over and over as a tech person. Let's put a video there and then I don't have to do that anymore. I That's so awesome. Point them to the video and it'll be cool. Right. And I'm like, man, what do I do when I look for something? Like, I go to YouTube, like for tech stuff. I want I'm not handy. I go to YouTube to learn how to screw this board in the right way. Right. So I'm like, all right, let me just do the same thing for tech. Right. So um, it, and it, it's catapulted this right into these different conversations. So I love that you said to get a hobby because I said that's a very underrated um, tip. And also know the company that you're working for. I've done that. You know, I went to a company. I thought I knew what they did. And when I got there, I'm like, man, this is not for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I got to go, you know, so. And he, that's he, great. It's very brave of you to want to leave. And the manager mm-hmm. is like, hey, Mr. do you love this? Because you seem like you can do it. Are you getting any excited to do this? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what are you trying to say? I don't really quit, right? And it's funny, like you get um, words of encouragement. My daughter was about six, maybe five months at the time. And I was reading the book that said, um, put me in the zoo, it's called the name of the book. And it's about this, you know, this animal who got all these spots on it. And he wanted to go in the zoo and he's showing all the tricks that he can do. And then the zoo, like, you don't belong in the zoo. You can't come in there. But at the end of the story, you met some kids. Like, you know, you don't belong in the zoo. You belong in the circus. So when I read that book, I'm like, why is this little kid's book talking to me right now? And I'm like, man, maybe the job that I'm doing isn't for me. And I need to go right. somewhere else. I'm trying to conform to this role, but it ain't for me. And, I, you know, once I did that, I came back on Monday, put in my two weeks and said, I'm going. I'm going to leave on a good note. And mm-hmm. I left left on some like a good note. I still have a great relationships from them, but that was the best thing I can do. It's That's fantastic. That, it's not a failure. You know, you know when you, find you know what I love about that is that you know so often we put ourselves in the position as we're the employee, mm-hmm. where like we feel like you know we're beholden to the employer, mm-hmm. and it's not to say to be you know to totally be an asshole. Right. You don't want to totally be a disruptive asshole. And I and I've been that person. You know, I've been that person where I come in and I think, oh, what you're doing doesn't make sense. It's all wrong. And trust me, I still do that today. But I've learned that maybe you can use a little more tact or understand that not everybody around you is an idiot, um, even though it sounds like they are. Um, And there are reasons that things are happening like that. But, you know, it's it's really a great self-awareness you bring up that hey, maybe this isn't for me. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Like if you're someone, okay, say I'm me, like I'm, I'm hypermobile, right? I'm, I have a lot of energy and say I get into a company and I realize that everyone's like really quiet and the office talks very softly and that's just their culture, man, I would know right away that that's not for me. But you know, 10 or 15, 20 years ago, I might've like tried to conform and, and thought there was something wrong with me and said, well, I'm not fitting in right. I'm not doing this right. I'm too loud. I'm too this. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, time out. It's like, no, you just, this is not the right environment for you. And it's okay. It just means you need to be somewhere else and go out there and, and try something else. I think that's super brave what you did and self-aware and being aware about, you know, an environment you do thrive in, you know, what makes that up? And I, I never really, um, 
I never really looked at that. I really knew to look at that. Um, and like when you go on an interview, for example, when they say, oh, don't forget, you're interviewing them too. haha. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to interview this guy who's hiring me? Like, I don't know anything about his job. And it's like, no, you want to say, you know, what is it about the company that you want to know so that you can know what you're walking into? And like, here's an example. Um, whenever I was on an interview, I would always ask my secret question, you know, when they'd say, well, do you have any questions for us? And I'd say, great. Yeah. Okay. Last Halloween, what did everybody look like in the office? And what did you guys do? And if they said, oh yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just a regular day. You know, it's probably may or may not be the place for me, but a, a company, I kid you not, this made my decision instantly. They said, oh, we all dress up and we go bowling. And if you don't show up in a costume, the creative team comes out and makes you a costume on the spot. And you may not like what they do. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I wanna work here. <laughs> and that absolutely made my decision. So there's a lot of value in understanding yourself and getting to know that and really taking stock of that and understanding that you know, it's not wrong, it's just different and maybe it's not for you. Yep, and I, I also want, it helps you maintain relationships, right? Because someone can respect you. And if they don't, you realize it wasn't a good place for you anyway, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Sometimes in early in your career, it's hard to do that, right? You conform and not saying you shouldn't because sometimes you do need to adapt to the surrounding. But yeah. you know, for me, I'm a little bit loose. Um, I'm not going to be, I can be buttoned up, but if I have to do that 100% of the time, it's never going to be, it's never going to work for me, right? Because I'm a little bit, you know, I'm just happy. I like to talk. I want to know about your family. I want to know what got you there, what makes you excited. And some corporations, when you do that, like, I don't want to share that. We're here to work. Why are you asking me personal questions? Mm -hmm. Whoa, hold on. I'm not used to this. So we're just going to work. I don't get to know you. I'm here with you all day and I can't know you. Like, that, to me, that don't make any sense, you know? So Yeah, I right? Then it's like, why would you even want to be in that environment? But yet for a lot of people, they do. They just want to come in, do their thing, and get out. Yeah. So I guess the, this goes into the next question is, what obstacles had you have to overcome, whether that is external or internal? Um, can you share any of those with us? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple that come to mind. And, you know, one is the obvious that... Um, I, you know, my gender comes into play. And what's interesting is that in marketing, there tend to be even, you know, pretty even gender split, maybe even, you know, indexing a little higher for female gender and the more creative types, you know, back when, you know, the colored hair, like wasn't considered acceptable, would walk in with the colored hair. So there's been maybe a little more um, openness and tolerance in marketing than in other companies. But I actually have had a couple of situations where um, I had not understood when, when I would hear from other women, well, I'm in a meeting and nobody listens to me and I can say something and then a man turns around and says it and everybody thinks it's a great idea when I just said that. And I found myself in a situation where that was true. And I sat there, I was stunned when it happened because I mean, and I felt guilt that I hadn't taken those other women seriously because I hadn't experienced it. And I thought, oh, you're being too sensitive. You're being too this, too that. And then here I was in this situation where I was like, you know, believe me, I'm not a wallflower. But when I, you know, but I'd walk into these meetings, and I would turn into this mouse because I translated that that nobody was listening to me, I translated that into my idea isn't good. And I really internalized that. And then, and that really messes with you, right? And it took me a long time to get my mojo back that it's like, okay, if they're not listening to me, then I need to work on a way to get them to listen to me, not feeling like I'm an idiot and shouldn't be speaking because it just spiraled to where you would not even believe who I was, like you'd never have known me at that time because I just was so insecure. Um, and it's just this little thing. But when you don't give everyone on your team, if you're a manager and you have someone who is more naturally soft-spoken, you know, find ways to pull them out of their shell or maybe ask them to uh, write up something in advance rather than if they're uncomfortable speaking in front of a group. But, um, or try to make sure that if you, are in a situation where there's you're the only female in the room 
Um, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, be the, be the female guy, you know, I've tried that as well, but there may be other ways to get your voice heard. Um, so I've had that and I've had situations where, um, I've been in a meeting and, um, I was the senior person in the meeting and they kept talking to my associate who was a junior person on my team, but, but he was male. And they literally were looking at him and talking to him. And he even kept saying, well, you need to talk to Julie Lynn about that. Well, sure, that sounds like a good idea, but I would defer to Julie Lynn. He literally was taking his hands and pointing to me because he realized it also. Mm -hmm. um, and again, completely, I was completely taken aback. Now, I've had the reverse happen. And um, this is interesting. Like if we can talk real for a minute, um, I had a supervisor, I was working at Capitol Records, um, which was a dream. And uh, my boss, who was this amazing person, super smart, amazing man, African American, big guy, who was one of those guys that like, he could look really intimidating until he smiled. And then when he smiled, he was like this big teddy bear. And I just, I love him. And I miss him to this day. But we would, um, we would go to operational, I was his assistant. Okay. So I would set up these meetings and we would, we would go and in the meetings, like he would be saying something about, well, here's how I'd like to set this up. And somebody literally said to him, well, is that how Julie Lynn wants it? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, uh, what do you mean? Is that how I want it? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. She, and the per this person did that like more than once or twice. And I, and I had to ask him, I said, I said, John, I'm sorry, what was going on there? And I, I didn't even get it. He says, oh, she thinks I work for you. And I, I just, I didn't even understand it. Um, and um, it's, it's one of those things that's really, you don't really know it unless it, you get to experience it like this. So um, I've had to, you know, reflect on some of those things. And in one of the situations that I was in, I actually had to leave the group. I ended up having to leave the group. You know, I tried to do what I could. I tried to change what I could from my end. I tried to adjust how I was reacting. I tried different techniques to get my voice heard, which is like sending an email in advance, doing a PowerPoint, you know, bringing things up, talking in advance. I tried all these different techniques. Um, and at the end of the day, I realized, you know what, it's not changing. And um, I'm not going to be able to as much as I would like to think I could, you know, affect change from the inside it's not realistic and it's not going to happen. And I ended up leaving. And the funny thing was when I left, like there were other people who were like, we can leave. You know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, guess what? You were, you were in charge of your own destiny and, and you can leave if you've really tried and done your best to overcome some of these things. Um, then it, it, I think it's Winston Churchill who said this, but it might be WC Fields who said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, and then move on because nobody wants to see you banging your head against the wall like an idiot. So, you know, there comes a point in time when you just have to recognize that, you know, you need to move on. Um, and the other thing I will mention about, you know, things to overcome, it's not necessarily an obstacle, but more of that idea of the inward journey. When I was managing a team, I had had no training as a manager, um, or let me put it this way. The training I had was bad. I had a bad manager and didn't realize it. And so then when I had a team, I then was the horrible manager. And I even, oh my gosh, earlier today, I was just something flashed in my head that I did that I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I did this and talk to this person this way and how horrible I feel about it now. And I really wish I could reach out to this person and say, oh my God, you've no idea how bad I feel and how much you impacted my career because I treated this person really badly. And um, one of the things that I did, I said, okay, I need to regroup. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not a good manager right now. I need to think about this and I need to turn something around. And what I did was in my head, I started saying to myself, every time I had a conversation with someone on my team, I said, I work for you in my head. And I said, okay, I'm going to now treat every conversation 
as if I work for that person that I'm talking to. And that one little change made all the difference in the world. And I went from having a team that literally revolted and went to the president of the company to complain about working with me to having a team that had zero turnover in five years and people wanting to be on my team. And it was that moment, that little trigger of, okay, I'm going to now treat everybody as if I work for them. And it completely changed everything. And this team that I'm talking about, um, we actually, we're still friends. This is like, God, 15 years ago, we're still like good Facebook friends. You know, we still talk occasionally and I follow their careers and it's, um, um, it was really meaningful and really a fantastic time in my career. And I learned quite a bit from that. And so that's about just getting out of my own way and, and realizing um, and take stock of the fact that, okay, um, I have a problem. I need to fix this. And the problem is me. Well, that was beautiful. That was heated. You dropped a lot of gems in there. Man, that was great. I'm, I'm about to tie, I'm about to cry a little bit and everything. Um, but the huh. one thing that, and that really resonated with me, you said, and um, you said, you got to take charge of your destiny, right? Um, and that sometimes we, we allow, when I say we, you know, individuals allow the company to define their purpose. And, and that's really up to us as an individual to say, is this a good place for me? Do I need to leave and pick yourself and your family first, right? If you get an opportunity, you know, take that, you know, opportunity for what it is. Will it help you and your family or you do something that you want to do? Take that, right? Um, but also be gracious when you leave. Another thing that you mentioned is I've been for being an engineer, I've gone in rooms where my sales rep is a Caucasian person and they'll go and start asking him technical questions. And like, no, he's the engineer, he's the architect. Um, but like, well, we wanna ask you, well, I don't know it. Like, so you gotta ask him. And then mm -hmm. they ask me the question and be, it'd be very, you know, well, do you actually know this? I'm like, well, I wouldn't be in a room if I did, you know, so. <laughs> right, I wouldn't be here. You know, so then when I know it, then like, all right, he does know what you're talking about, but I've been there before when, you know, my, and it'd be uncomfortable because my sales rep sees it and tries to put them my way, right? So I know how that feels. But, uh, you know, I, I probably had times probably where I didn't even know maybe I was talking over someone and it's been the other way around. And maybe it's me as the one that's doing it. Like I even had to do it like with, with my own family, right? Sometimes I'm really creative. My ideas, I don't even know, it might be trumping my wife. So now we talk about those things. I'm like, hey, did do you want to do something? Yeah, I really wanted to do this. Oh man, I didn't even notice that. Take a pause back. And I, you know, me and my wife had a conversation is, you know, I'm very ambitious, but you are too. And this is a relationship. So if you have some ideas, you know, let me know. I'm going to park my stuff for a bit because you always rally behind me. So it's time for me to rally behind her because she has entrepreneurship ambitions and I'm fully um, supporting that. Like, what do you need me to do to help you get there? I'm good at branding and marketing. Let me help you with that. I'm good at tech. Let me help you with that. But you're good at all these other things right now, you know? And sometimes when you make that switch from my wife is, she, she go get her. She had two masters by 25, worked oh my well, God. made more money than me in the beginning, right? And then she had, you know, we had our child. She wanted to make a switch. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. 100% her doing, not me. Said, whenever you want to go back, is up to me. And, you know, sometimes when you're an ambitious person and you're not, you know, you're taking care of family, she know her priorities change. And I told her, your role is more important than any role that I can bring in. And my job is to help you with that. And I know you have these other um, entrepreneurial aspects. So let's define those, right? And she loves family and wellness. So she's starting to do that now, you know? So we're helping building that yeah. business. But again, seeing that when sometimes you don't even know that you might be indirectly silencing someone, right? And having the awareness to ask those questions and making it comfortable in any relationship that you have to have mm -hmm. those. And that's something I feel like um, you need to do that personally and in business, because sometimes, you know, a company might say, man, we got an open door policy, but you know, they say that, but that ain't what they do. Right. So just be aware of that too. Right. And don't be afraid of letting someone know, cause maybe they don't even know that they're talking over you. Right. And maybe they are. And um, you got to stand up for yourself either way. But I love that you share that um, because I think everyone needs to, we, we define, 
or like what I like to say, we write our own story. We all got a story to tell. We all shoot in our own movie. If you don't like the cast in it, and then if you don't like it, like when you watch Netflix, well, if it's boring after 15 minutes, I'm changing it to a new movie. So if this <laughs> is your life and this is your movie, if it's boring, what could you do to make it more exciting? Do you need to change the characters there? Do you need to change the scenery, right? Um, so that's kind of like, you know, just taking hold of it. And I know it's not as easy for everyone because we start at different levels of this race or this game called life, right? You know, so I thought I started off low growing up. Then I went to back to Barbados where my family is from. And I saw where my parents started off and it was even lower, right? So I'm like, man, I really started here and wow. compared mm-hmm. to like other countries, right? And when you go there and you yeah. see people living in huts, they got like stones on top of their house because exactly put down, right? So then you, things go in perspective, like, all right, yeah, I grew up in inner city in Brooklyn, but compared to a rural area in Barbados or a third world country or somewhere in other parts of America, I had a lot compared to someone else, right? So put things in perspective, right? So, um, but you gotta there's, be in charge of that story, but it's, it's hard. Yeah, right? you know, it's just yeah there's, story, so. and someone said to me once, you know, there's always someone doing better than you and there's always someone doing worse than you. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and it took me a bit to understand and appreciate what I did have because um, one thing about being a marketing is our job is to convince you you need it, right? So and I'm like, why do I think I need a Lamborghini? I don't think I can even fit in that car. You know, I'm like, how do they have my money before I even made the money? You know, I'm like, man, I'm going to get that mansion out there. I'm like, yeah, now I, I own a house. I'm like, I can't even barely keep this house clean. Right? 2,600 square feet. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, if I had something double or triple this size, how do I clean that? Well, you got to pay for somebody. And then you got to do lawn care. Then you got to heat that and keep electricity in the house. Right, then you got to You know, so like, yeah, you could do that. But like, man, do I want to do that? But do I want to do that? Yeah, exactly. So, so, but all these things that they made it seem like since you're young, like this is what you got to do. Buy it, right? You know, like, all right, once I exactly. hit exactly hundred thousand. The Amer- American dream. American dream, right? But then I realized that dream is wherever you want it to be, right? And no... My dream oh, yeah. isn't better than your dream, you know? So um, I think you really hit something there. And I, if you listen to this, really take stock of that because it took me a while to figure out I'm running a race for me and my family and and that's it, right? And what the way I do things necessarily isn't better. It's just the way I do things. But someone else might think this is boring and that's fine because they ain't their race, right? So um, we got different levels to this. You know, if you don't make a billion dollars, you know, it's not a bad life, man. Depends on what you you comparing it to, right? If you try to compare it to one of those billionaires, then you might be sad all day, right? But if you're comparing it, like, all right, I started here, you know, and I was able to elevate you know, one generation to here, you know, my daughters might take it to here because some of the roadblocks I face, she won't face those, like the same things I face because she started a different playing field, right? And then her kids, hopefully, will start a different level and you go on, right? So sometimes you got to build that, those different um, levels to their generation, right? So- um, let's wind I love it that. down. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Let's wind it down. Let's get it into uh, what are some of your favorite books, podcasts? Uh, what's piquing your interest of late? Um, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I actually I made a little cheat sheet here. I, I listen to podcasts a lot, um, believe it or not, but um, I tend to listen to them in the evening when I'm, you know, feeding the cats and just kind of winding down my day and kind of drifting off to sleep. Although I, I love a lot of the true crime podcasts. So I end up with some really cool dreams sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, you know, within, you know, listening to uh, monsters among us and morbid, keep it weird. And uh, you know, certainly the astonishing legends guys, there are, um, some other podcasts that are more like business oriented, um, certainly you gurus, U G U R U S, you gurus, um, is a group that I uh, joined and did some studying with, and um, he's got a great podcast out there. They're they're relatively short, and they're about all different aspects of business, um, and I find that really worthwhile and valuable. So uh, thanks for continuing on that. There's also a podcast called World Changing Women um, done by some of the folks from Conscious Capitalism, the Conscious Capitalism Movement, Um, but they really are getting in and interviewing some of the um, world's um, most dynamic women. There are a lot of different podcasts out there. One of the things about podcasts that I enjoy is the fact that there are so many and you can 
you know, listen in and you can go really deep on a topic um, like history. Um, Probably because I was, uh, you know, watching like uh, some of the tutors and, you know, some of the, um, the Spanish princess, you know, I was watching some of that and I really wanted to know about the history at that time. So I pulled up a couple of podcasts and really went deep. So some uh, revisionist history or noble blood uh, by Aaron Mankey or hardcore history um, are some of the historic ones as well. There's a couple of books that I have on my Kindle right now that I am looking forward to reading. Um, One's called Obviously Awesome, which is kind of a newer book focused on uh, kind of a marketing angle. Another one, about business is called the e-myth, the e-myth revisited, um, which I'm really looking forward to getting into. And lastly, something called quantum enigma, which is uh, focused on more of the connection between uh, quantum theory and quantum analysis and consciousness. So just some light, you know, reading that I like to you know, that's doing great. my spare time. Yeah, I'm glad that you mixed it up with personal fun and favorites and some business ones, right? Because um, we do, you know, I think a lot of people do that. Like we have self-help ones and then we have some ones that we just want to just learn because we're curious in that, right? So um, that, that was cool. So before we go today, how can the audience contact you? A, just to connect with you and you know, develop the relationship or if I'm a business and I'm trying to build my brand, how do I get in contact with you? Um, thanks so much for that. Yeah. And believe me, um, shout out um, if you would like to connect and just get my opinion on something or just chat with me or let me learn from you. That would be awesome. So feel free. You can reach me. Um, my website is jlbrandme.com, J-L-B-R-A-N-D-M-E.com. And my email address is jl, the two initials, jl at jlbrandme.com. My company is JL Brand Marketing. Um, I obviously didn't get too creative when it came to naming my company, but um, uh, so you can reach me at uh, jl at jlbrandme.com or through LinkedIn or however you'd like to reach out, feel free. I actually, um, I do volunteer with DECA They're the high school organization. And um, I had recorded a little video about a value proposition. What is a value proposition and why you need it, et cetera. And one of the students from DECA actually reached out because on my website, I say, hey, schedule a free coffee. We'll have a virtual coffee. And uh, turns out he's this fantastic student. He, during his quarantine for COVID, decided to start his own clothing line. And it's been so rewarding because he initially reached out to ask me some questions and I, it's been so meaningful and I'm learning so much just, um, you know, working with him. So um, absolutely. If you, I encourage any of you want to reach out, go ahead. No stalking. I have a gun, but you know, <laughs> but feel free. To reach out. She's not joking. All right, sweet. Well, you know, it has been a great time. Well, Sly Gittins and JL are out. Peace. Thank you so much, Sly. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for joining.